Welcome to the Discuss, and Discuss podcast, <laughs> where we'll be talking about topics that caresses our bosom. Today, we'll be talking about third episode of The Last of Us. I am Derek. This is Kevin. All right. And before we get into it, right, uh, there's a little bit of news, well, two pieces of news I want to touch into. So the first one, have you seen, uh, and I hope you have, because uh, it's about the Chinese spy balloon that's... Uh, that's been hovering a little bit over uh, Canada and then it crossed U.S. borders and it's like this whole discussion all last week of whether to shoot it down or not shoot it down. I have not. What is this? Yeah, that is it, it's exactly what it sounds like. So uh, a, a Chinese spy balloon was spotted hovering over again a little bit of Canada. Uh, it, I guess it went from like Alaska uh, to Canada and then crossed over to the U.S. border. Um it was literally probably hovering around for a good week or so. And then uh, as of yesterday, the government, the U.S. government, finally decided to actually shoot it down what? over uh, somewhere on the East Coast. Um, yeah, it's so crazy because China's reaction to it. How did they know it was oh, Chinese? Like, That's a really good question. I think there are signs or something I, I i'm not too privy onto it like i didn't see how they knew um they just had a they just knew right it's the government i'm sure they knew about it before we knew about it before the news broke over it and we're, we're deciding what to do with it Interesting. um but yeah like i saw i first saw it on reddit when a redditor posted a video catching the balloon hovering over his like town or whatever what so it and in it he mentioned like you know the government's trying to track down this balloon and it's just right here and i was like what this is kind of crazy so i looked up and i've been kind of following the story a little bit and as i mentioned they shot it down yesterday the thing that makes me laugh and i wonder if it's because you know china isn't afraid of us anymore or whatever uh the president was just like Hey guys, yes, that's our balloon. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> Essentially, you know, they're like, don't overreact. Yeah, or, or uh, shooting down the balloon was just an overreaction. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then just like moved on from the from it being a spy balloon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're just like, whatever. It's a spy balloon, yep. but uh, don't worry about it. We got it. Yeah, and it took, you know, us about a week long to shoot it down. So who knows where it's going to go from here. But just a crazy story that turned into something slightly funny to me because of how China reacted to it. So uh, second piece of news, and of course, we got to get into this for the third episode of The Last of Us, right? Annie Warshing, uh, you might know her from 24 or a few other works, uh, but mainly, right, she was the voice of Tess in the game. She passed away at the age of 45 due to cancer, uh, January 29th. So literally last week when the third episode dropped. Incredibly tragic, an early death to a great actor, and, uh, you know, fuck cancer, you know? Cancer sucks so bad. Indeed. I was a fan of Annie Wershing when I first saw her on 24. Like, I've actually seen all the seasons of 24. And then when she showed up on 24, I was like, 
damn, she's hot. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> more than that too. I think I think her character really complimented uh, Jack Bauer, and because she was she was able to keep up in the intensity of Jack Bauer being trying to freaking solve these crimes that are that is happening within 24 hours and she was like keeping up because she was also a skilled um i don't even know what to call it like not assassin but just like agent-esque that whole spy espionage Mm -hmm. like skills tactful you know the good old tropes of being a good agent and then her character passes away in the tv show and i was like man no one else could compare because every season they kind of bring in a new character for 24 but i still i still miss her being the one that was in the show and then now that she's gone like the actual the actual actress herself just a big bummer man 45 that's young and i feel like she would have been killing it I'm curious if she would have even came back to play Tess. I was actually surprised that she didn't come back to play Tess. And I'm curious if it was because she was already ill or, you know, like dealing with cancer and therefore she couldn't handle it anymore. But I don't know. I always thought that she was kind of at that nice age range to portray Tess still. You know, you bring Marlene back, could have brought her back. Unfortunately, not the case. 100% what I was suspecting too, right? Like, looking at her and her repertoire and, like, her skill set definitely could have brought Tess to life because she brought so much life to Tess in the game. Like, she was definitely one of my favorite characters going into the game, you know, when you first played, and then I could definitely see her being Tess outside of it. So, and who else would be better to play Tess besides Tess? Uh, just crazy and like uh you were the one that told me the news and i was just devastated because that's crazy you know like my first thought too was like why didn't they bring on more people right to to play their actual characters because a lot of them still fit that persona right Mm -hmm. so incredibly tragic you know like i would love to get into the first you know the third episode just so that we can hopefully you know bring some life to this and then um yeah but just want to call that out rest in peace Rest in peace. So let's go ahead and get into this, right? So we're changing the format a little bit. You guys can get a whole summary of the episode and other people's opinions on the episode in any other podcast. In this one, we wanted to talk about our favorite moments from the episode, things that made an impact that we would love to discuss and probably something that disgusted us. Or, yeah, I mean, just moments that this third episode... To me, we have a lot of opinions about. I loved it. I truly did. I, I love that it was a great episode, uh, taking it for what it is. And it's a crazy, well, let me take that back. It's an interesting spin off from the game itself, as we all know. The, the writers took a completely different direction, a different direction with Bill and Frank, which was one of my top moments, right? So Bill is pay, played by Nick Offerman. Frank is played by Murray Bartlett. Bartlett, sorry. Both great choices. Like they play the persona, like played the characters really well. Nick Offerman, right? Definitely known for his role as um oh no, I'm forgetting it. So uh Parks and Rec. I've actually never seen Parks and Rec, but Ron. 
There we go. Um, <laughs> That's wrong. Have you seen yeah. White Lotus? A little bit. I have only saw like the first 10 minutes of the first episode and then I actually had to leave or do something if I remember right. Oh man, so that's where yeah. that's how I knew of Murray. Murray, yeah. And I was like, the moment he came on screen, I was like, dude, he's so good. Like, mm-hmm. White Lotus has a lot of like other great actors in there and whatnot, but I, I always felt like Murray, Murray, I don't even know how to say his name, but he's so charismatic on screen, dude. And you even noticed that in in this episode. Yeah, like he, both of them captured it so well because again, Nick Offerman played Bill, who's a survivalist, right? So he is very independent and anti-government. However, I love the contrast here where they also make him very, uh, what's the word? He's a very romantic guy right he knows to pair a certain wine with a certain meat that he hunted himself and so that is you know the classier side of bill that we don't really get in the game right we don't really dive too deep into his character all that much and bill and frank's relationship in the game is more speculative than it is uh, than that we saw in the third episode murray when he came on at first like i was like dude I don't know how he is as Frank. Like he's, you know, got the feel for it. Actually, we don't even know what Frank's like in the game, so it could have been. Uh, it was very open interpreted, and Murray killed it right right off the bat. Just came in, took it. Uh, I want to talk about the contrast between Bill and Frank in the in the sense that Bill likes to move slow. You can tell, you know, like he takes his time. Make sure he's very careful with his actions. You can tell from the very first scene when. You know, Bill comes up from his war bunker right after everyone leaves the town and then pops it open and he's moving slowly throughout the house because he's not sure if everyone's gone yet. Then we see Frank, when we first get to him, uh, he Bill lowers the ladder, climbs up, and Frank kind of rushes up there a little bit, cautious, but he goes up there, gets up and like slightly lunges, not not like a lunge, but like slightly goes to Bill for like a hug almost, uh, showing that Frank wanted to show his appreciation and, you know, didn't think about it at first. And then was like, whoa, whoa, wait, he's still got a gun. Yeah. And then like, you can see the fast pace of Frank and then Bill trying to keep up in a lot of aspects of the episode. Again, just want to talk about the fact that they're both romantics in different ways and just created a very beautiful relationship that blossomed specifically in the show. Yeah, it's... It's nice that Bill gets these small, like his romanticism shows through these small actions that he's doing. He's not openly romantic like Frank is. Like you can tell when you see Frank, he's very open about it. He wants to show affection like physically, like not, it's almost bolstering, you know, if it might be too much for somebody, but when you see it, he's very expressive and he can't hide it, you know? Whereas Bill is more conserved and like he's the way he's prepping his food, the way he's serving the wine, like he's gentle. And that's Mm -hmm. something that's really cool to notice about Bill because he's supposed to be the survivor. He's like this badass dude. He's got fences electrified and he's he's like he's the only one that's going to make it in the apocalypse. But Frank showing up shows us that there's more to the survivalist than just this 
lonely brute force kind of guy yeah it's just such a beautiful scene and i thought they did everything really well done spoilers obviously if you guys didn't know we're talking about episode three just i guess we gotta say that just in case but i will say the i I wanted to touch on this to you sorry i didn't put it up on our notes that we're looking at but the sex scene between frank and bill people are talking about it right that's the reason why this show is getting or the episode is getting review bombed i hate that Oh, because you you see the relationship between two gay men and how it progresses, right? Sex is a very normal part of it. Something that people don't realize, and I'm hoping that they did this with intention, right? If if it was a man and a woman, and let's say Frank was a woman, and you saw the woman do the exact same thing, you wouldn't bat an eye. But that's exactly what what happened, and I the reason why I love it is they did it with taste. Right, showed that it's just a real relationship that these two men craved in a lonely apocalypse. Yeah. And then it was just like a beautiful moment. It was quick. Sure. It was done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they get to show intimacy. And mm-hmm. I think it's a good representation for gay men out there that they don't get a lot of representation on screen. And when they do get representation, it's just like very kind of hardcore, you know, like very, I don't know if it's because of American media where it's just like very up in your face and like very um, sex-like. I don't even know how to, am I describing that right? Like stereotypical? Maybe stereotypical. It's, you know, I don't know, that sex sells type of mentality. But in this episode, we get something more, romantic more like gentle more easy or is it easy going is that the word i'm looking for well the thing is bill is super uptight because he's never been able to express this type of love before let alone have it returned to him so that sex scene is more than just a sex scene it's bill experiencing this love for the first time because he had to hold it in and it might have aided his survivalist mentality where he hated everyone maybe he hated everyone because he wasn't allowed to express himself and maybe that was something that kind of relates to gay men out there that hasn't come out or whatever like that and that it's that repressed anger or frustration that you can't let it out because you're afraid of being hurt or something like that. But Frank being there in this apocalypse and it's just him and Bill, they're able to express this. Frank able to bring it out of Bill and give Bill like this thing that he's been missing his whole entire life. Yeah, it's a little bit of both too, right? And we see Frank being more frank about certain things. Like he really wanted... uh, another couple to be friends with right i thought that was so uh, interesting to bring bill and uh, sorry to bring joel and test him to the to the picture to contrast the relationships where it should like we're seeing that joel and tess were a thing unofficially and it could be mainly on joel's side who similar to bill was very closed off given you know all the tragedies he's been through and stuff like that but bill found a part of him that was able to let that go and just embrace it for what it is. So the 
their relationship between each other is really nice. Like we get to see, you know, Frank really break down some walls while Bill's continuing to build them up literally, right? Towards the towards the episode where uh, Joel makes the comment that Raiders will be here at night, whatever. We literally see Bill build a wall of cars and stuff just so that he can keep his relationship safe so he can keep frank safe and you know it's like their relationship is so real so raw right it's not perfect throughout the whole time because right after the sex scene we get an argument where frank doesn't want to just survive he wants to live while bill is thinking i want to survive so i can protect what i cherish yeah for sure that was like a moment that is showcasing what you're talking about is that when they're when Frank brings him to, um, they just got done jogging or something like that, and Bill's winded, and then Frank leads them to like this garden, and they have strawberries for the first time in like a very long time, and it was a moment where Bill expresses something very vulnerable for someone that's like hard shelled, and he tells Frank that I was never afraid until I met you, which was a very impactful dialogue for me because it's like damn this dude he like he kills these the infected so easily these raiders and you know he's just like a badass but in this moment he's like he's afraid of losing the person that he loves and for him to express that it's it's nice to see yeah yeah 100 percent. like we think about these survivalists in certain ways and you know they're crazy they're probably you know like uh, shell them off from the world just because they're afraid of the world and that's the feeling i get from bill for the most part right like he had a whole bunker like tons of guns in the background like he also knew exactly what he was doing he prepared for this moment like he went out he got a ton of gasoline the premium kind right he went premium with it because it doesn't matter and he yeah he fenced off the whole town. It wasn't just like his house or whatever. It was the whole town electrified it, like kept on upgrading it throughout the, the years too. And so it's cool to see again, certain walls get broken down because of Frank. Indeed. Another moment that hurt was when they do the, it's like 10 years right after the Raiders raided. And we see Bill and Frank very aged up. and we see frank in a wheelchair when frank drops the line like okay so bill just woke up and then we see in the background that frank has been sitting there just like staring at bill or like watching bill sleep the whole entire night and then they they have an argument about like we need to get you to bed you know bill's just like worried about frank then frank puts up a fight and he's like it's my last day when he drops that line it's just so heavy-hearted it's it hurts not just bill but the audience because it's just like damn dude they these two lived together semi-peacefully i guess (laughs) because of the fences and the protecting each other and then they've lived a nice life and for frank to just say it's my last day and it's not because of like a wound or something like that i mean he is ill and he i don't even know what illness he has or something well here's here's the the irony of this because of what happened with annie uh it's suspected that it's terminal cancer 
that's what we can suspect it yeah sheesh i know it's what a what a crazy it just it's just so ironic right in in the true sense of the word like for frank to pass away of cancer well i guess he didn't pass away of cancer but he had terminal cancer and then you know same day the episode release annie but when you dropped that line it was almost like the second episode where uh you know the the doctor drops the word bomb mm-hmm. and the way that frank said it though right we have a little bit more of a relationship with frank we understand like who he is as a person so when he dropped it for me my heart literally shattered and i i audibly gasped i audibly gasped and i was like no <laughs> we can tell where this is gonna go it's it's kind of a bit of that last fight or battle or i don't know like frank is making a decision that he wants this to happen he doesn't want to go off by old age or whatever he wants to make a decision and to say that it's in a way it's respectable like you you know you don't if you were bill you don't want him to say that but it's also respectable and commendable because it's like yeah i kind of get it like (laughs) you're you're we're both old and you're you know you're going you're fading away <laughs> to put it lightly yeah yeah it's a hundred percent i agree with that it's so respectable to decide when you want to go and how you want to go right like uh, frank mentions a little bit later on you know he just wants bill to love him the way he wants to be loved I think that's so powerful because all of us crave the same thing. We want love and we want it the way that we want to be loved. Frank has the tenacity or the personality to be able to voice that to Bill, knowing that without him saying it, Bill will not understand. And that's how they essentially met. Uh, when they had that argument, Frank said that, you know, I, this is how we live. I, it's the little things that matter and stuff like that. And, he wants to live the way he wants to live, right? He doesn't want to just survive. And this is a very good circle. It's a very good closing the circle moment where, again, he wanted to live and now he wants, or he wants to live the way he wants to live. Now he wants to go the way he wants to go. And for Bill to take part of it, I think there's a moment too where you you recognize that Bill's like, you know what? He's right. If 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 he's ready to go, I'm also gonna go. Like, there's no way I'd be able to survive without him. I love that part. Yeah, it's very poetic. These two, like, they—you can tell—they're both very. I mean, romanticism is—it's kind of like an umbrella term, but yeah. <laughs> it's—they're very poetic. Like when they were singing that song at the piano, or I feel like Frank really dives into that, um, into the lyrics, or like Shakespearean dialogue you know for so it's poetic for him to always be proactive in deciding what he wants to do and to finalize that decision by you know this is my last day he wants to live but he also wants to die on his own terms and bill when before we get into that part i guess how do you feel about euthanasia (laughs) that one i I like that they went that route versus like, you know, let's just say like any other more violent situation. It allows the two to 
continue with that love story right it wasn't a romeo juliet thing right it wasn't that it was based off of a play that is escaping my name i probably should have wrote it down but where you know like there's this trope i guess where like all gay guys die in the end and this was a different twist on that it wasn't them dying because of um something unreasonable i guess if you will it was more so based off of the fact that it was out of love that they were ready to go on their own terms. And that's a beautiful moment right there. Euthanasia, like, I, I would agree in this case, right? Like, Bill said it best when he said that he's just, he's old, but he's satisfied. Mm-hmm. Like, it's true. They probably did everything they could do and technically wanted to do during their younger years. Um, so if I were to be at that age, like, I would probably do the same thing in Apocalypse, right? Like, no kids, no other family around, like your only other loved person's already dying. I probably want to go out that way too, you know, with the person I love. Agreed. Like there's no one finite answer for something controversial as euthanasia. But in that situation of Frank and Bill, I mean, they've been together, they lived a life and they're also getting old. The crazy thing is that I think I saw somewhere that gay marriage wasn't even legalized until 2004 so if the apocalypse happened in 2003 for the last of us bill and frank never got to like see what the world would be like for gay men so it's just a crazy episode representing gay men you know bill dropping that line you were my purpose before he serves the wine for them both it's just it makes sense you know do you really what what's your reasoning for continuing on when your soulmate is going to go out right now too they don't got kids it's just them and if frank's gone what does bill have to live for now inside this top tier bunker so i agree going out yeah. like that it's romantic and it's a better spin on Romeo and Juliet not not one person going out and then the other one waking up spoilers if you've never read Romeo and Juliet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you're missing out <laughs> yeah like it's instead, I guess no it's just so good like it's really it really is like it wasn't it was sad but in like the most fulfilling sense you know we got to see a relationship blossom you got to see the ins and outs of the relationship. And this is interesting because we actually, I can't remember any show really that has like an apocalypse style theme to it that shows a relationship like this, right? It goes from the beginning of the relationship all the way until the end, like the, until both of them ended, right? Of old age. And so, well, you know, in their older years, but the, the direction the writers chose, I 100% can see why they chose to go this route. Uh, I wanted to touch on the fact that this episode really brought in the whole aspect of when you're lost in the darkness, which is the whole apocalypse, trying to survive, look to the light, and light is love in in this episode. And while the writers and the, yeah, the writers really wanted to showcase that love is dangerous, in this case, it's the fact that you have something to lose now. That's so dangerous because you're going to do everything in your power to save them. Like uh, when Bill, uh, when the Raiders come at night, that episode or that, that scene, 
shows that Bill may have been doing that every single night to protect Frank. He's out there being vigilant, watching after Frank and making sure he's protecting the one he loves. We see that when Bill gets shot, the only reason why he got shot was he turned around away from the Raiders to pay attention to Frank and ran towards Frank, right? Like to protect him. That shows like he was, you know, like he's doing all this for Frank. And so the only dark scene essentially too in that whole episode was that Raiders scene. It's dark because again, there's danger. There's, there's people going on, right? Like, or, you know, there's, there's a firefight and then everything else, when it's about the relationship, it's light. It's, it's bright outside. They, to my knowledge, you know, uh, even when they're eating dinner at night, it's candles, it's lit. There's so much light throughout their whole relationship. That's one thing about this show that I can, that I pay attention to pretty heavily on because it's just so beautiful, beautifully done. That's one thing, you know, in this episode that I, I just truly love that they kept on doing. It's like, in the dark moments, you know, look to the light, and the light is love, and then this is where it gets dangerous. Interesting take. <laughs> <laughs> We're seeing a lot of the theme revolving around love, you know? I think you bringing up that Raider fight scene and relating it more so to the love aspect is interesting to see because... When I saw that that scene, I thought, why would Bill be out in the open when he's so tactful, you know? Oh, 100%. Like, such a weird caveat or nitpicky thing. I just think someone as secure and and mindful of danger, he would have been pointing his rifle out, like, up on a second-story window somewhere. I think that's how he would do it, to stay safe. But I feel like, you know, maybe it is due to writing. We needed that to happen to showcase that they're not free from danger. Is more so despite of all this danger and in this apocalypse, they want every bit of control over the life that they share together and showcase that they love each other, that this matters more than any kind of bullshit happen outside <laughs> when you look at it yeah. that that aspect it's like okay i'm on board i'm cool with this <laughs> yeah like you bring up a really good point like i would feel like bill would be on top of the roof or something with like you know sandbags everywhere to protect him right from cover yeah. oh good point i have no idea why bill was out in the open maybe the fire like he didn't consider the fire was just too bright or something Actually, I don't know. It's a really good point. Like, another thing to point out in that scene is when Frank goes to get the little gun. Before that, we hear that Frank essentially gave the gun away, like a small gun, to Joel for the strawberry seeds. I love that Bill did make an impact on Frank, where Frank also wants to protect Bill. So he hid a gun from Bill. And, you know, I love that too, just to see, like, oh, wait a second. He didn't give Joel the gun, he has it. He he wants to protect Bill, and so, you know, it's, it's just a little play on each other. Again, uh, also, Frank ran out there without any hesitation to help Bill, right? Because uh, saw Bill out there shooting and stuff, and yeah, but uh, honestly, who knows? Why was Bill out in the open? Like, that's I think a big mistake. I think, I think they just hit a wall. How do we put Bill in danger so that this next scene things, you know? I think there's probably a better way to write it, but due to time constraints they just had to do so maybe we don't really know the whole nuance of things 
happening behind the scenes. But overall, the episode is good if you're if you're wanting to see love displayed mm-hmm. on screen during apocalypse. And it's not all about the danger. It's not all about the human condition of trauma and darker themes. <laughs> Despite all of the crazy shit happening, you can still find happiness is kind of like mm-hmm. the episode. And well, you know, the last scene, it just hits that main story beat in the game. You know, we don't get this side story of Bill and Frank in the game and maybe it's because it would be very boring to play. <laughs> know what i mean like there is not this wasn't very action oriented for for um a very action oriented video game this episode was very tame in action that raider scene sure but it wasn't all about the fighting it wasn't all about this gun shootout in fact that lasted like i don't know maybe like less than five minutes it was just waking up in the darkness boom guns action bills outside frank bill worries about frank gets shot and then boom (laughs) done you know next scene um but the very end hits the main story beat of the game where bill hands off that truck with a battery in it for him so this was just a nice uh, i can't even call it like a side episode because it's not a side episode it's like a side quest (laughs) yeah 100 percent a side quest yeah side quest and we get to learn about bill and frank i think Due to this not being in the game, the writer and creator has so much freedom to talk about Bill and Frank. And it was a reflection of Joel. And I think the poetic message in this last letter in the final scene is that it's almost as if Bill's trying to tell Joel something because they met briefly at that dinner scene or that lunch scene. I don't know what to call it. But... I think Bill was intuitive enough, despite this hard shell wall of sitting uh, across the table from Joel, he senses that they're the same. He's very intuitive as a person. It's almost like he doesn't see that Joel loves Tess as much as Bill loves Frank. And it's also in that message. It's like giving him some sort of pro tip, you know, yo, Joel, I'm trying to help you out as a friend, even though the dialogue is written differently but i think underneath all that it's almost like yo joel i'm trying to help a brother out here like (laughs) save who you can save which is a repeated message from tess in the previous episode it's almost we're we're getting teased that joel is going to hit an arc soon and grow to that comfortable level with ellie where they will love each other in in a sense yeah, maybe and maybe Joel opens up a little bit more. Yeah, I I would assume that the writers probably use this episode and the relationship between Bill and Frank to slightly foreshadow what's going to happen to Joel. Bill sees it too when he says, you know, we see a little tidbit. He says something about uh, holding on to test a test or something like that, and uh, even gives him like a wine pairing to do something romantic for Tess. And we see Joel just kind of break down. He runs away, right? He doesn't address it to Ellie or anything like that. He takes the letter, goes outside. He doesn't save it. He he crumples it up and buries it, essentially. 
Moose Orb. Like he bears it deep. You could tell it it hardened him even further. It may have also finally triggered something in him where Joel uh Bill says something like, uh, this is why we're here. We're here because we have a job to do. And I think that resonated with Joel and was like, man, Tess would probably say the same thing or something, or this is something that Tess would, you know, essentially like push forward, right? Like, hey, we gotta do this. We said we would, let's do this. And so so poignant. I, yeah. What what you were saying like really triggered a thought. You know, what's going on right now in that episode makes me think about how there's like this masculine appeal that's been reiterated across generations. Know what I'm talking about? Like you're absolutely you have a job to do. Yeah. Don't cry. Yeah, don't cry. It's almost like Joel is embodying this very masculine role of that stereotype. And it's really similar to what men do where they don't want to get hurt again. So they don't open up. They don't, they're afraid of being hurt again. So they don't open up. So, so running away and making that avoidance of, of feeling in front of Ellie, it's that he doesn't want to be vulnerable again because he doesn't want to get hurt. Like he, like how he was so hurt when he lost his daughter. So just an interesting message, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Message or visual representation of how men act. Yeah, Joel's a lot of us, you know, like, uh, it's so hard to break. And so, you know, if you guys are out there, like, don't be afraid to talk about your feelings, right? Like, go out there, see a therapist, mental health is so important to being able to stay healthy, being able to do certain things. And, you know, there's a lot of good resources out there. Hopefully you have some friends or family you can touch on. And if you don't, you know, or just reach out to someone. There's communities too, like, you know, Reddit's a really good one. If you're okay with uh, how people are at Reddit. Well, uh, but there's some really good stuff there. I think that what hurts people even more is thinking and believing that you are alone. I think that loneliness just hits harder. It, it It's almost an amplification that there is no help. And there's reasons that you're conjuring up in your mind to not reach out or something like that. But it helps you grow as a person when you're able to tackle these issues head on and, uh, I don't know, achieve happiness. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like we see in Bill and Frank. Before Frank, Bill was eating by himself. He was doing everything himself. He was content. He was happy. But But we don't see that. Yeah, he he wasn't fulfilled, you know? Like, he he didn't have that... There was literally a hole. <laughs> and guess what? Frank filled it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good connection. <laughs> there was a hole in his heart, and it was filled. <laughs> it was filled in a lot of different ways. Um, but that, wow. I, think is, <laughs> I think, that's it for this episode. Uh, anything else you want to touch on? Um, No, I think we hit everything. If, you know, if we keep going, we're going to talk forever, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you guys for listening. Keep it going. We're going to drop a few more episodes, you know, throughout the week. But thank you guys again for for joining us. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.